You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Welcome to I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek Podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral, retired, Ben Knight. Well, yeah, now look about that. Um, well, I better tell you about this. So, obviously, listeners last week will know that I announced that I'd retired from Starfleet. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I wanted to take up a desk job uh, here, here at uh, Starfleet HQ. Yeah, yeah. And um, just as an advisory capacity. Mm-hmm. But... Then, for no other reason than just moving stuff along, it was convenient for me to forget that and um, reassert myself as uh, <laughs> as an admiral and then give a load of orders. Um, I feel like you just couldn't resist hmm. the pull of the 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 big the center seat, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I I literally just from out of nowhere just went do this, admiral's orders, and everyone just obeyed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think, a bit of a coincidence, but yeah, I um, mean, and look, yeah. I look as a lowly chief petty officer, like I mm-hmm. do, one day wish that I had the kind of pull to just walk onto any ship I damn well pleased, and then just start shouting orders, and people are like, "We gotta listen to him." <laughs> he said, well, "Admiral's look, orders." Look, if you study hard, hard at school and you eat all your veg or something, <laughs> then, <laughs> then that too could be you. You too, but someday could go mad with power. <laughs> Absolutely. But for now, that's me. I've gone mad with power. And, <laughs> well, uh, good for you. Yeah. We I all, mean, you know, it was always coming, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it really was always just over the horizon. So, you know, I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad you got there. Uh, so let's what talk. can I say? I'm just a star, ch- star child. Baby. That's right. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 2, called Disengage. And um, there was not a lot of, there was actually a lot of engaging happening here. It was. It wasn't, yeah. I mean, I do believe they said disengage at some point, but I mean. I, know, I, I went full Lois Griffin when they said it too. <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, I like how immediately it just starts with Picard stops the large ship, which <laughs> what a line to start mm-hmm. with. I mean, there are commas and more words after it, but. Uh, I just like how this paragraph begins with Picard stops the large ship. Admiral's orders. Stop. <laughs> well, he stops the large ship, the Shrike, which, by the mm. way, I think is a terrible name. I mean, it makes the like they Christopher Plummer's daughter went on a very long explanation of why it's called that. There's this bird and it has a whole lot of properties and traits. She uh, knows the, so much about Earth birds. Yeah, she? I know. She associates very much with her ship. Uh, but anyway, Picard is stopping them from transporting Jack Crusher, who we learn is his name, I guess. I guess we didn't learn that in the last episode, off the Elios, mm. but then captures the Elios itself with a tractor beam. Seven persuades Shaw to intervene, and Beverly is transported to the Titan's medical bay, while Picard, Riker, and Jack are brought to the bridge. The Shrike's <sighs> captain, a bounty hunter named Vatic, reveals that Jack is an intergalactic criminal with a large bounty on his head. Shaw has Jack arrested and intends to turn him over to save his crew. 
despite the protests, of course, of Picard and Riker. Jack escapes from custody and attempts to transport himself to the Shrike in an effort to save his mum. Uh, but Riker... Mum. <laughs> Mummy. Mama. Sorry. <laughs> Riker helps Beverly to the bridge, and when Picard sees her, he realizes somehow, they didn't realize already, that Jack is his son, apparently, from a brief relationship that he apparently had with Beverly decades earlier. Knowing that Picard will not hand over his son, Shaw orders the Titan into a nearby nebula as a delighted Vatic gives chase. Meanwhile, elsewhere, uh, Raffi meets with the Ferengi criminal Sneed, hoping to find those responsible for the attack uh, on the uh, the Starfleet training whatever that was. I can't remember. Recruitment the recruitment center. Yes. Yeah. Um, despite her handler ordering her to stop investigating, she is almost killed by Sneed, but saved by her handler, who is revealed to be Worf. No yes. Way. Indeed, oh, Ben. Okay. What did you think of episode two? Um, okay, so we're still in the foothills of this season of, um, uh, of Picard, and... We're in a slightly awkward transition, aren't we? Because obviously, as we covered in last week's episode, there had to be something of a, a, a sort of smash cut between what they'd originally planned to do and what they've ended up doing. Mm-hmm. And that's fine with me because, you know, we, we would not have forgiven them had they not taken this opportunity. I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah. Uh, but what that does mean is that we've got a load of people who um, are in a B plot to an A plot that is not moving a pace, perhaps. Um, but actually, like I've seen a lot of people really mad about this, and I think quite a lot of the people who are mad about it are people who do not like Rafi, mm-hmm. um, and so that's probably not helping a huge amount. But um, I, I have to say, for, for my part, I actually quite like the B plot, and and obviously Rafi's involvement is going to be rather more important. And of course, it's the mechanism by which we. Are reintroduced to Worf, and we meet a Ferengi who isn't as one-dimensional as they usually are. I mean, he's yeah. not much more than one-dimensional, but you know, still a little bit more than usual. Pretty um, small lobes, though, Ben. I'm sure he was picked I, on quite a right? bit. Like I, I've had this conversation with three people in the last few days. <laughs> Trek fans, something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, plot-wise, what do we really get? Well, I suppose we get. Um, well, let, let's let's just deal with the the elephant in the room first of all. So, the the whole thing about Jack Crusher. Well, um, he is, uh, I think, fairly obvious to everyone right from the second we were aware that there was a another person on um, on uh, Beverly's ship. Mm-hmm. It, it's perfectly obvious who he's going to turn out to be. I'm fine with that too. And the only question that remains is the one that we were sort of pondering on the on the last show, which is when, I mean, Riker says do the math, which is fine, but hang on a minute, what math are we doing? Um, yeah. We still haven't yet discovered exactly where he fits into that timeline. Again, yeah. fine with that. Um, where I'm slightly frustrated, I suppose, is that um, that like Beverly appears obviously on the bridge at the end of this episode and there are no lines between them. It's all done with um, with the exchanging of glances as if they've suddenly become 
um, Betazoid. Yeah, um, we remember. Do you remember that episode, Ben, where they they shared minds yeah. for a while? Yeah, it was a sweet episode. Absolutely. Um, but you know, I mean, we were already ahead of them, so I guess yeah. it's a little bit annoying that it has taken all the way to the end of episode two to spell out the obvious thing from the second character. I think pretty much we meet in the whole show. Mm. Um, so, so there's that. The uh, we're already seeing a little character development with uh, with old Liam there, aren't we? Yeah, and that's nice to see. I feel like we're getting a, a handle on that bridge crew on the Titan way quicker than we have in some Discovery. other um, yeah. new track. Yeah, I was, I was, Discovery. I'm looking at you, um, and I, I'm kind of here for that. Actually, the tension between um, the captain and uh, Commander. Um, uh, I was going to call her Seven because that's her name. Yeah, uh, and and the other bridge crew when you know we're bordering on a mutiny situation. That crew, I couldn't have picked which side they were going to come down on if that had uh, been pushed. So mm-hmm. I like the fact that that's been conveyed in there, and they do seem quite interesting, maybe as a crew. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a bit of that. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we can't really comment too much on Wolf because. We, we haven't really seen much of him yet. Although he does, and I think this is a Michael Dawn thing rather than a war thing, he does have that facial expression when he's helping Rafi out of uh, yeah. the, the drug den of, you know, an aging actor who is staring off into the middle distance a little bit, kind of, <laughs> oh, this is hard work, harder than I remember. Um, <laughs> it works, though. I, I, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't hate it at all. Um, it, I just found it slightly hard. Yeah. Uh, so then let's move to the actual kind of narrative uh, plot of this. And obviously this is the episode that introduces us to, I'm going to say, one of our big bads. Uh, and of course, those who are familiar with Amanda Plummer know that, in fact, whatever name she gives herself in this, she will always be... I'm Harriet's sister, Rose. Uh, uh, thank you. Yes, you are, Amanda. <laughs> um, from Sorry, Married and Axe Murderer, where she mm-hmm. plays, and see, you know, stop me if you've heard this one, where she plays a slightly deranged nutbag yeah. um who uh, <laughs> i wasn't getting you know, those vibes at all ben i don't know what you're saying no you know she, she's killed a number of people and she's <laughs> not trying to tell you about it no. and uh and you know she, she knows a like, weird she knows a whole lot of weird facts about everybody well, that's, that's because i'm harriet's sister rose exactly you are amanda <laughs> um it's literally the only clip i could find of her as, uh, <laughs> as rose, sadly i wanted to find the one who said uh, you're not supposed to be in the room when the note has been written and placed on the desk um, <laughs> that could have been a line from this really. episode even it really could because that's the energy she's giving now oh yeah so Loads of criticism this week from people who are saying um, that, oh, God, she's so ridiculous. It was like it was like Panto it was so over the top. Of, well, I mean, you know, wh- but right. Here's my rub with this. So go back. And I did try this as an experiment. Actually, there's a video, in fact, a couple of videos online that goes through the, the kind of various enemy big bads from yeah. various bits in uh, Next Gen. And given that everyone is crying out for the nostalgia of Next Generation, which totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um then you got to take some of the bad with the good here because yeah. that show, like every bad guy, even even more so maybe than the original series, there were so many utterly, utterly ridiculous bad characters. Remember, yeah. for example, our, our first encounters with the Ferengi. Uh, they stick out in my mind amongst others. Uh, Q, quite frankly. Um, you know, I mean... Highly annoying him, at first. Yes. Yeah, when we saw him in Picard, obviously, you know, he's grown up a, a bit, but... 
Um, let's not forget how absurd he was as a character. Mm-hmm. And there's just there's just loads and loads and loads of them. The Ferengi. So just, uh, and uh, to be honest, most Klingons we met during Next Gen <laughs> were pretty mental. The earlier. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing about Vatic for me. Like, I mm. felt like she was absolutely channeling bits of her dad's performance as Colonel Chang in Star Trek Six. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I feel like all we need to balance it out is they just need someone to be a Bones. To like, because every mm. time Chang said something like grandiose and ridiculous, Bones was always there to cut the legs off when he's like, I'm as constant as the Northern Star. Well, I think that's Liam's role. Yeah. That's his whole thing about yeah. uh, it's important you should know that I was having a really good morning before. Before you <laughs> yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, Bones was I mean, always there yeah. to be like, I'd give real money if he'd shut up. Uh, Absolutely. Like, gr- a great dry wit line. To just undercut the coming. grandiose, yeah. But I, I think this is this is the whole thing. So I don't really have a problem with uh, Vadik being nah, me either. Like a deranged sort of panto villain. Um, yeah. I, in fact, I think it's brilliant. And I think if you're gonna do it, do it properly. And sure. I can think of very few people who do that better than Amanda Plummer. Yeah. Um, because it's her role in literally everything she's ever been in. <laughs> it's, um, it's her niche. But yeah. you know, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, you know, and we've got this sort of, from a, I guess from a sci-fi point of view, we've got this kind of big bad ship and, you know, inescapable odds, but we're now starting, I think every lazy commentator is now using the term, which we've, you know, we've kicked off a cat and mouse game. I mm-hmm. uh, just want to point out that I characterized it as a perhaps a cat and mouse game or maybe a game of chess yes. uh, last week when I made my predictions. But Indeed. Indeed. Um, and that's what we're beginning. We're now beginning to see this... Um, the, the, the sort of opening moves the in pieces on the board of moving yes absolutely and and i'm still convinced incidentally that i don't think that um vadik is going to be the big bad mm-hmm. i think vadik is part of an amassing um sort of maybe army or coalition of people who have got it in for whether it's Jack, whether it's Beverly, whether it's Picard and Riker, I, I don't know who it's people be. associated with those people. Well, I think we're going to see old Liam's um, past, which was heavily alluded to in the not too subtle foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to see that be part of the the mechanism of all of this. Uh, obviously, we know that Rafi's past is is you know at the fore here. We're going to see some political complication with Worf. Okay, yeah, we know where he works now, but we also know that. Things have not been plain sailing back at home for for, for Wolf. Um, th- there are so many bits set up here now that yeah, we've not you know not every hand has been shown, and I'd really worry if it had been by episode two because then mm-hmm. basically you've just got a shootout for six episodes. Um, but I, I, I'm really I'm I'm I, I'm okay with what we now have. Do I love the the exposition? No, not really. It like the, the pacing feels weird it's not it's not the glacial pacing that we've had in the previous two seasons of Picard but it is it it, it it's kind of it could have jolts forward and then gets stuck a bit and there's there there's some lines thrown away in there that perhaps would have been better uh, what I what I'm really thrilled about is that this episode I think we sort of cautioned against it a little bit last week is okay so the first episode of this show was like almost entirely made of Easter eggs and and um, and fan service, and that's yeah. that's fine because you know pretty much it's what everyone's been sort of screaming for since 
you know since the idea that it was going to happen mm-hmm. um and there, there are some in here. I mean, I can't remember if it was last week or this week, but we know that the the shuttle that Riker and Picard took was called Savik. Uh, so a reference back to um, Kirstie Alley's character in um, uh, Star Trek Two. Yeah, um, and you know there are people obviously drawing the fairly obvious comparisons to Rather Khan, which is all fine. Um, we're getting a callback to Picard sort of stuff we're, we're being reminded again non too subtly that Picard is synthetic so what we know yeah. really is that this is all going to be about intelligence and who knows what and that's why I say I think it's more chess than cat and mouse mm-hmm. so we know that whoever um, or, or whatever Vadik knows about everyone she knows it about everyone yeah. she, she's got the information so the only person we don't really know a great deal about is um, James Cole uh, which again is yet another Twelve Monkeys reference, in case you missed it. Mm. Um, and uh, James Cole, of course, Jack Crusher, one of his many aliases. Aliases, aliases. yes, he has many alias. I don't know. Um, <laughs> with loads of people obsessing over the internet as to whether that was Cisco's baseball that we saw in um, uh, Sneeds, yeah, Den, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, and you know, th- th- there's just there's a whole load of stuff, and it, that's all fine and interesting, and. I'm sure, you know, we'll we'll get all of that sort of played out. Interestingly, most of the pundits online have suggested that Jack is um, from right after the events of Nemesis. So mm-hmm. that would be 2379 plus a couple of years, I guess, which would make him 22 or 23. Yeah. I do not believe, I'm still not convinced that is what they are trying to tell us at this point. I think there's a touch of misdirection gone in here. I think the story is going to be... A little more complicated ah. um so i mean I, I know it's a long shot but it is a, a prediction that i've made in the indeed indeed um but i i like a lot of this but I, is this you know super sore away you know the, the sort of is this any sort of climax at episode two of yeah a hastily put together thing with a lot of pressure on it absolutely not mm. is this part of a two-part because this whole season's coming in twos remember yes is this the second part of the setup to uh, two episodes absolutely does it achieve it uh yeah just about i think it toes over the line into i think we've got enough moving parts now available to us and and so on um i still think there are problems visually with it because I, i i think it's nowhere near as bad as the cg in the first episode but i think there are still some peculiar moments in it but again hastily thrown together i wonder whether that plus the budget issue perhaps are responsible for that um the standout for me in this and putting aside the whole vadic thing for a minute is the performances so yes i'm gonna say it again until i'm blue in the face jerry ryan in every goddamn scene she is in she is even when she's doing scenes with um you know rsc uh uh, sort of impressive what's the word I'm looking for um, well you know living icon that is Patrick Stewart yeah um, she acts everyone else off the screen and not in a mm-hmm. kind of you know Anthony Hopkins way I mean she she puts in so much with slight facial expressions as she always did as, as Seven yep um, yeah. That you know, she conveys so much more in one look than actors do in various diatribes in the show um, and I, I can't fault it. Uh, the weakest performance out of cast, excluding Vadik, because I realise that you know her character is, is polarising. Uh, I, I have to say again, I'm afraid it's Riker. Um, mm-hmm. 
it, it, there's, I'm trying to put like pin down what it is about his performance in this and many many times over the next gen era that that like grates on me the most. And I'll tell you what it is. I think in this episode I was trying to find the quote actually and I can't find it. There's one moment where he suddenly like goes from I'm frustrated and, and talking to you in a snappish kind of stern captainy way to just suddenly shouting. And yeah. it I don't that's not how you add drama to a performance. It 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 it's so jarring when it seems out of character with this kind of slightly more experienced, slightly more consistent, um, you know, matured version of Riker. Yeah. To see him behave in the way that the first officer in season one, episode one of Next Gen did. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a sort of attempt, I think, occasionally by some of the people who write the show to try and remind us that he was Kirk-like in the sense that yeah. you weren't really supposed to like Riker to start with. He was a bit of an asshole. Mm. And I think there is I think there's occasionally glimpses maybe written back into his uh, into his character. But I don't think we need it anymore. I, yeah. I think we know enough about Riker now to to imagine that, you know, it's it's just it's just not necessary, I would say. Mm. Um so there we go. I, I think there was a lot going on here. I want to know more, which of course is always the test when you're a couple of episodes into right. a show that's yes. like this. I like I want to know all of the things that are about to happen in this. And I'm not getting... The only thing I'm slightly confused about and that I really am waiting for some exposition about is what the deal is with the Fenris, Fenris Rangers. Mm -hmm. So this is, I guess, part of this amassing armies idea that... So from what we know of the Fenris Rangers at the moment, um, we know the establishment types don't like them. They're referred to in this episode as the the sort of pirate community. Yeah. Um, but then again, Liam hates everyone and presumably that also includes the Borg on account of, I mean, he obviously lost some relatives and suffered PTSD as a result of a certain famous battle with the Borg, didn't he? Mm -hmm. But Because um, that's fairly obvious so far in the dialect. Um, but I think, like, we're now seeing, like, the Fenris Rangers weren't hostile entities. They were there on behalf of the Federation when they confronted Jack. Yeah. But now we also hear that they were also pursuing him. Is that slightly clumsy writing and they were just he was just explaining oh everyone's after me mm. because of all of our humanitarian work or are we also going to see that you know they become part of the you know team bad guy i wouldn't be surprised because it gives seven something to do in a show that let's be honest neither seven nor um uh, raffi really ought to be in and we know that they are there because of the contracts and because they both wanted to do it and the writers like working with them but this isn't their story so yeah. there's going to need to be a latch we know what Rafi's latch is and I think we know what Seven's latch is mm. um, I, I think the difficulty is with Rafi her latch is quite interesting if you care about the kind of DS9 level that Star Trek operates on rather than TNG yeah. and I think Seven's um, Latch is her ongoing kind of in-out redemption, not redemption arc thing. You know, she, she's and, and frankly, it doesn't matter what you give Seven to do. If she's in every episode, she will be one of the standout performances in every episode. So yeah. just accept it and move on. She's still trying to um, find, like I think, as she always has, has just been trying to find her place, like yeah. where she fits into things. And, and I think she thinks she was lied to. I mean, that there is. Yeah. I mean, there, were, there was always an element of her character. She was always the first to point out Janeway's hypocrisy and the Federation's hypocrisy, mm -hmm. um, but both as you know, recently converted Borg all the way through to Endgame. 
Yeah. And I think there is a still a strong sense that she she hates hypocrisy. I mean, that's a yeah. large part of why she joined the Fenris Rangers, I think we can probably assume. Mm-hmm. And if you read the, not really read, right, if you listen to the audio play that's just her and Rafi uh, that came out last year, I think, or the year before, whenever mm-hmm. it was, um, again, you know, there's a long sort of running theme in there of the fact that they're both disillusioned with Starfleet for wholly different reasons, but with Seven, it's the hypocrisy. Yeah. And she's now confronting that, you know, face on, and its name is Liam. So it's... It, everything everything is where it should be. Um, I'm not in love with Ed Spieler's performance as well. That's the only other um, thing I'd say. Um, I think it might only be because at the minute he's not being written terribly sort of craftfully. Mm. Uh, and that's because, again, it's not really Jack's story to tell. It's Beverly's story to tell. So maybe when she speaketh again, following presumably she's going to start doing that at the start of next week, we're going to have a lot of long dialogue scenes next week, I think. Mm. Um, you know, may, maybe maybe they can free up his dialogue a little bit. Uh, yeah. So that's where, that, that's where I was at with this. I didn't hate it in the way that a lot of the internet seems to have done this week, though. Yeah, I... Oh, I'm... Well, I mean, I'm certainly not with them. I don't hate it. But I was torn with this mm-hmm. episode. I There are some things that I absolutely love and adore. Uh, and most of it is some of the stuff that you touched on. The performances, I think, continue to be great. And the interactions with a lot of these characters continue to be great. Um, I, I do, I like Raffi for one, like I've sort of Mm -hmm. liked her from, maybe not from the jump of season one of Picard, Mm -hmm. but pretty quickly, like thereafter, like the midway point, I've kind of always liked her character and the performances have always been standout, but for some reason, and maybe it was just the day I was having that day. I don't know, but it, I just didn't like the scenes this week that mm-hmm. she was in. I don't know. They just didn't feel like the best. Like they were. You don't feel like the scenes with her and Sneed felt super next gen though. Oh yeah, no, no. That was the that was the best stuff. The stuff with her and her. Uh, is that her kid's dad? I don't yeah. remember. I did that. That just didn't feel nice no, natural and almost almost to the point where i'm like are, they, are these the best takes they had of these scenes i remember thinking at one point it was not strong he, he was a, a guest actor as well i think um mm-hmm. i'm afraid i couldn't place him but uh i know that he popped up somewhere as being a, a sort of guest star type yeah. role in it and um i'm afraid i don't know where he's from probably 12 monkeys i guess the, st- uh, but <laughs> the it, way the season has been going yes strong uh, yeah, it wasn't strong whoever played sneed he i thought was great it was a little weird to see a ferengi with a you know five o'clock shadow uh that was a little weird but otherwise he looked pretty ferengi-ish minus the fact that he had kind of small lobes which you know i'm not gonna mm. i'm not gonna judge you and know lobe shame him as a as a human ben my lobes not the, are also it's small. not the size of the lobes it's i know it's the size of the lobes. <laughs> uh but uh i thought i thought that performance was really good. And even like the Ferengi, like kind of laugh even was sort of even there a little bit. There's, there was some stuff that I feel like got really nailed down, but also a lot more ruthless. Like we got like a severed head in here. Uh, And look, we've seen Worf in action before and Mm. Worf is a badass, but in next gen nor in DS nine, was it ever as graphic? So Worf was just like a murder machine when he was but in he's here. He's working for 
a different team now, isn't it? I know. Yeah. I mean, there was like blood splatter and limbs being severed and heads being taken off. But I'm like, oh, shit, look at Worf go. Like, I really enjoyed that, even though it was just a brief introduction, but I liked it. Uh, I don't mind Vatic at all. Like, that's just I, I don't think she is the main villain in all of this. Definitely not. But I I thought her performance was like unhinged and fun. Uh, I, I still like Riker and Picard together. Jerry Ryan, mm-hmm. I think is you're correct, is still the I mean, she's not the star of the show, but in a lot of ways, she's the star of the show. Every damn scene. Uh, Every damn scene. She is really great. And like, no offense to Sir Patrick Stewart, like, but she does like, like best him in a lot of scenes that they're in. But I mean, he's also old now. Like he just, Mm -hmm. there's that moment where he's in there with Jack and the brig and it's just like, it's a great scene, but I keep thinking to myself, like Patrick Stewart from like the TNG films even, or like, you know, yeah. knock a few years off of them. And this would have been just reminded a me great, insane performance. That performance of him that reminded me of him in waiting for Godot, <laughs> <laughs> which may not have been what they were going for. So no, probably not. Uh, so I'm just going to come out and say this now, and maybe my reasons for it are terrible. And if that's, if that's the case, Ben, feel free to point it out. And even if you do point it out, uh, I'm still going to stand by it and just, just, you know, I'm just gonna, just gonna own it. Uh, you have to to her. Yeah. I'm Harriet's sister, Rose. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the, I mean, I kind of hinted at this last week, but I'm just gonna come out and say it now, Ben. I'm gonna own it. Uh, kind of definitely sort of for real actually hate this whole Picard has a son story. Hate mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. you know what you know what really broke me, Ben? Go on. The thing that really broke me is well, we know it's Picard's son because he has a British accent. Just for no uh, yeah, fucking makes no sense. reason. Like yeah, that no sense we don't inherit those. Those are not inherited. His mom speaks like Beverly Crusher, who does not have even Picard's British accent isn't very Britishy anymore. But 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 this is where I think the idea that this is, you know, only a twenty two year old kid and mm-hmm. yeah, blah blah blah. No. Right. So if that were correct, then he's grown up with Beverly, and your point is valid. Yes. Why the hell would he have a British accent? Mm. That accent speaks to me of someone who was left with maybe Picard's family or mm-hmm. somebody who has a British accent um, for a longer period of time. That, yes. that that kid ain't ain't been following Beverly around starfleet medical or wherever mm-hmm. since he was in um in nappies this, the, yeah this is i i don't think that is as clumsy as on the face i hope it seems. is not i think it's deliberate yeah but i mean that like that is obviously that is a tiny nitpicky thing and they may address it and they may not but ultimately i just found it i don't know just uninteresting like i just i don't mm-hmm. like i don't care like it, not in, not in the way of like I don't care about Picard and I don't care about his character's feelings or his family or anything. It's just I don't like the whole final season of TNG was about family and they did yeah. so many good episodes about family in there and Picard has had so many great 
uh, moments about family. Like even yeah. his episode where we meet his brother and his mm. nephew, and then the heartbreak of, you know, him, you know, revealing to the audience that like he lost them. Like yeah. all, all of that stuff is, you know, I, I, at this point where it's just like, Hey, you're like 85 now. And you have a son you didn't know about is, I mean, I sure. But to me as like part of the send off for this, I don't know. Like I can't say for sure. I know what would make me happy as a TNG fan as like their send off for this. But like that just feels, I don't, and, and maybe it's because of, you know, what I mentioned before, like they've done this before. Like now, granted, all the other times it turned out to not actually be his son or yada, 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 whatever the case may be. And maybe this is one of those and maybe it's not. But I just feel like this is ground we've we've walked on before. Like, sure. But it, maybe maybe this is a misdirect as well, because I mean, yes, he, I don't think he's not going to be um, Picard's son. I mean, he, he clearly is going to be. But yeah. I do wonder whether this might not be the the kind of hey let's talk about family type storyline that mm. it, it kind of stinks slightly of at the minute. I I think this may be a slightly darker um, route into something. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I mean I obviously, so. <laughs> I'm I'm obviously willing to to let it continue to play out. Partly because it's what we do here on I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, but also because I am interested to see where it goes. I feel like I'm just being insanely cautious about the episodes. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm looking at these episodes much more critically than I did in the first two seasons because, because there's so few of them as well. Well, yeah. And, uh, famously the last two seasons of the show, like they, at least to us felt like they sputtered out near the end. Like mm -hmm. they just, built up a lot of things and then didn't have enough time to deliver all of them. And then the stuff that they did deliver wasn't entirely satisfying. And, and um, also we might be getting yeah. um, another two seasons possibly of this. And yeah. that that's just still up in the air. So there is, I guess, well, as um, Patrick Stewart said, you know, at the end of this season of Picard, don't expect everything to have been tied up because mm -hmm. they didn't tie everything up. Now, yeah. obviously, they'd be mad to tie everything up. They're working television production for a massive um, franchise, so that would be nuts. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I kind of hope we don't get the same problem as we had in the last two seasons of leaving things open that you know may or may not get resolved, but you yeah. know, unless yeah. you know that they're not going to get resolved, sorry, unless you know that they are going to get resolved, then don't leave them open. If I, I don't know. I, I think they're in a difficult position, but mm -hmm. that's one storyline in particular that I don't think can be left up in the air. I don't think we're going to be left dangling on the subject of um, of Jack Crusher very long. I think yeah. right in the first couple of scenes of season, uh, sorry, of episode three, we're going to get all our answers to that. We're going to cut in and out of conversations between um, Picard and, and Crusher, which is fine. But like, if it is just as simple as you know, whether, I mean, Christ, I'll be so disappointed if it was, this is your son, oh yes, straight after the events of Nemesis, um, this happened, you know, don't worry too much about the age, because, you know, future and, you know, better healthcare or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. if, if, if that's all that is, ugh, gross, I hate it. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, there is the darker side of this, which is, you know, tying back into 
I mean, they tend to do family in a slightly dark way in Star Trek. So if this goes back to way further back, which I think it does, um, or I think there's a good chance it will, then like there is an interesting story there to to hear something about. Um, and then that makes Jack a rather more interesting character. I don't want him to be an angsty teen, but he's clearly yeah. not going to be. Um, because, yeah. I mean, he may be angsty, but he ain't no sort of pouting teenager. So mm-hmm. I think there is a lot that could be done there. I think the danger that the absolute pitfall is, you know, falling into, as you say, kind of revisiting the kind of tropes about, you know, let's talk about family stuff. I, yeah, I want to yeah. see a bit of that. I want to know what it is we're dealing with here. I don't mind seeing all the consequences of it because I think it would be weird if we didn't. Yeah. But I also don't want that to be what season three of Picard is about. Yeah, agreed. Uh, So any final thoughts on episode two and what would you give it? As uh, so I final thoughts, uh, more of a final note. Um, I was looking through things I scribbled. And in fact, um, the James Cole uh, reference uh, I said um, was probably a reference to 12 Monkeys. It was... The character ah. James Cole in 12 Monkeys was played by Aaron Stamford, who, in this episode, played Sneed. <laughs> huh. How weird is that? Look at that. And you're right about all this. I, I wonder if there's uh, some weird 12 Monkeys uh, tie-in Ben. I'm sure there I is. I mean, uh, they're definitely underplaying it, right? <laughs> um, although, I suppose you could also point out that he was in X-Men The Last Stand as well as Pyro. But anyway. Yeah, and so um, was Patrick Stewart, Ben. Wow. Uh, exactly, exactly. Huh. So there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of said I, I think all I need to say about it, it's... Yeah. Um, it, it, there's all of, all of the notes are there and we've got a score that we've got a vague idea of what kit's in and I just want to make sure we don't get sort of I can't really get stuck down the path of an uncontrollable metaphor yeah uh, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I just don't want us to go off on on the the, the Jack Crusher tangent too hard at the yeah. expense of of this being I mean this needs to be uh, getting the band back together romp as much as it needs to be mm-hmm. story progression and yeah. I think the real danger is you don't do either of them properly. I don't see that for this season. Um, there's t- the, the, the stakes are too great. It is, at the time of writing it, they believed this was the last season of this show. Yeah. And the last outing of these characters. And I don't... I really hope that people who clearly love the Star Trek universe as much as those who are, you know, steering this particular ship are, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're clearly big fans... I don't see them messing this up in the way that we fear. I, I, I can't fathom the possibility of it. Um, so this episode, like I say, it's it's putting pieces on the table. Blah blah blah. Everything I've already said. Uh, for me, it doesn't do anything spectacular. Um, it it does have some very funny moments. It's got some very good sci-fi moments, but it's also got some fairly badly written moments. Uh, already mentioned about performances. For me, this was no greater than a three. I'm afraid, but that isn't to say that that's not fine. I think you know there are most episodes in most uh, franchises, particularly of sci-fi, are pretty average. That's the very nature of them. Yeah. Um, and if you know the average happens to be high quality, great. But mm-hmm. this this isn't there yet for me. This is, as I say, this is the foothills. What yeah. Did you yeah. Um, so I gave last week three and a half. I think you gave it a little higher. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Mm, dislike feels like the wrong word for this, but I liked Mm -hmm. it less than 
the first episode, but only, I mean, largely because I'm just not feeling, I'm not feeling the direction it's heading now. Obviously mm. there's still a lot left. There's still eight episodes left. There are still eight hours of storytelling in this that could shift things in a completely different direction. And I'm trying to keep all of that in mind. And for the most part, uh, I ended up just barely above you. I went three and a quarter. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is saved by just really great performances from people who just know their characters and are, you know, just delivering good stuff. It's just the, it's sort of in the micro in the macro. I'm not feeling the story just yet, but Mm -hmm. you know, as you said, we're in the foothills. So there is some time, there is some room to grow and uh, perhaps we shall see that come to pass. Hopefully. Uh, I really don't want this to be like the send off for the next gen crew and be like, this was worse than nemesis. Like, it's a oh low God, can you it's, imagine? it's a low bar guys we should be able to we should be able to trip and somersault over the bar uh i i, I have faith that we will yeah me too i i feel like we will get there and the next two episodes are directed by frakes who is yep. a great director so i'm excited some to see say better than he is actor <laughs> some may say that ben mm-hmm. one half of this podcast may even say that but it, that that <laughs> that half isn't me but i won't say who it is uh, for purposes of anonymity. Uh, all right, everybody, this is the podcast um, <laughs> for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. Of course, it's a listener-supported podcast. There are a couple of ways you can help out there if you so choose. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemageekly. We have the merch store. Oh, you mean this one? Geeklymerch.com Yes, links for those. <clears throat> in the show notes for this episode. Of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast. Hit subscribe, and that way you can join us next time to hear us talk about more Picard. Season 3, Episode 3, called 17 Seconds. Seventeen Seconds.